Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have David Schultz, tour manager for Jimmy Allen. You're going to hear David's story of how he came to Nashville to study at Belmont University and how he quickly got into the music scene as a concert promoter. David has worked in so many different areas of the music industry. I know you guys are going to learn a lot in this episode, and I'll see you at the end. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today we have David Schultz, the tour manager for Jimmy Allen. David, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Justin? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. So uh, I like to get started right in your childhood. Where did you grow up, and when did you first get introduced to music? Well, I grew up in San Diego, California. My family still lives there, so I get to visit every once in a while. It's really nice. But, man, I've been interested in music pretty much my whole life. I I have early memories of myself when YouTube just came out, you know, me searching for music videos um, online. You know, I used to stay up or I used to wake up in the morning and watch, you know, the VH1 video countdown. There was like a top 40 video countdown. You would have to get up and watch it on your TV and you'd kind of, you'd get to see, you know, popular music at that time, uh, top 40 videos and all that stuff. So um, I've been, I've been into music pretty much my whole life. My parents were musicians. My dad took me to my first concert in San Diego. And ever since, I've just been very fascinated with uh, the way that it's made me feel. And now that I'm able to finally work in the music business and um, make an effort to change the lives of the people that are coming to see our shows, uh, it's really rewarding. It's really great. Totally. Now, when did you first start uh, playing music? Uh, Like, what was the first instrument you picked up? I'm So I remember taking piano lessons when I was young, but I didn't like my piano teacher because I wasn't able to play what I wanted. I had to learn how to read music. And it was a very, you know, how kids go to piano school or piano class when they're young. Um, I just, I, I didn't feel it. So I, I think I learned to play the guitar after that very, very uh, lightly. And then um, once I started playing drums, that's kind of when it really stuck. And, and I felt more of a connection to that like rhythmic instrument. Um, instead of the relationship between notes, which you had to learn on guitar. So I played drums, started playing drums when I was younger. I remember I set up little trash cans in my, uh, in my parents' garage, and I just was banging around all the time. And they finally got me a drum kit. And uh, once I got that drum kit, I really started playing along to music. And I uh, pretty much taught myself for the most part. Now, did you play out and about in high school, like with any local bands, or were you more just kind of jamming by yourself? In high school, I actually played for a couple of local bands in San Diego. Yes, there was one called Milestone and another called Pierce the Veil. Those were the, oh, not Pierce the Veil, I'm sorry, um, Focus and Frame. Pierce the Veil is a much larger band than I was ever in. But um, Focus and Frame and Milestone were the two local bands that I was in in San Diego. And we played, you know, hardcore metal music. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We played at a venue called Soma, which is still there. Oh, cool. It's owned by Live Nation now, but... Uh, yes, I got to I got to play around San Diego, and uh, it was a really fun time. So uh, you made the decision to go to college in uh, to in Belmont, and so when you were making that decision to go to college there, did you already have it in mind that you wanted to go into music management? Were you wanting to come to town to get into drumming? What was kind of your uh, uh, goals coming to Nashville? Yeah, um, I actually tried to avoid moving to Nashville at all costs because I knew nothing about the city. And um, I was never really a fan of country music. And I really associated Nashville with country music. And I didn't think that there was any way that I could be successful in Nashville and do what I love. And I was absolutely wrong. Um, 
I applied to Belmont and it was one of the first schools I got into, but I really wanted to go to like the, um, the USC, you know, up in Los Angeles and the NYU and the Berkeley School of Music, all of those world renowned music schools. And, um, and I applied for, a, you know, a couple of the um, programs were called music industry. A couple of the schools had music industry programs, which is what I resonated with because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But um, at Belmont, there was either music business or audio engineering. Those were the main two that I were um, that I was uh, attracted to. So I decided to do audio engineering, and um, I was I was into audio. I knew a little bit about it, and it seemed like it was it was the better decision so that I can get my hands on um, some equipment that I wouldn't necessarily have access to outside of the program. I was always in the mindset of if I wanted to learn the business, I could read books, you know, and I could, I could learn from experience, but audio engineering, getting my hands on those consoles, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, um, I would really benefit from doing so through that program. So that's kind of, that was what I was thinking going into, going into Nashville. I wanted to be able to learn applicable skills to get me, you know, a foot in the door into the industry, but I also wanted to do it in a way that would maximize my time um, at that school, you know? Totally. What did those first uh, years look like for you in Nashville, like networking wise? Were you going out, like hanging out with people, trying to get into sessions, interning, engineering, or like, yeah, what did those first few years look like for you? So, yeah, I actually transitioned in high school from playing drums into more, uh, more, more DJing. So I was, I was a DJ in high school after I um, kind of ended my drumming uh, phase and the DJing was cool. And I brought the DJing to Nashville with me. And when I, learned that there was really nowhere in Nashville to DJ, that's kind of when um, I transitioned into uh, being a promoter. And I started throwing the parties for other people to DJ. And I eventually kind of left, you know, I, I kind of put DJing on the back burner for myself because that was kind of an, an experience that I had lived through. And I wanted to move forward um, into this world of promotion, which was really cool, you know, um, I learned so much from being a promoter, um, just as far as having to coordinate the event as a whole, you know, you talk about the big picture, you're not just, you know, booking DJs for a house party, you know, you're taking out insurance, you're having meetings with the space, you're coordinating with production companies to facilitate this experience. You know, if you have multiple stages, you have to um, conceptually envision the logistics of what it's going to take to set all that stuff up to work with the people to do it and then also to provide um you know experiences for the people coming to your party so that was a really cool thing that i did in school and um and yeah there were there was a ton of networking done in that um in that process you know i had to meet people all over the spectrum and uh having a community like belmont it was really beneficial because i kind of had it at the in the palm of my hand you know i walked outside my dorm room and there were a bunch of students there, you know, in my same program that were attempting to make it into this music industry in the same way that I was and in different ways too. But it was a very collaborative effort. Everybody kind of worked together and it was really heartening uh, to see everybody come together that, you know, collectively because um, obviously there was competition amongst the people in my major to apply for probably the same job at the audio company, but seeing everybody work together, you know, to, to throw the shows that we did was really, really cool. 
Totally. So did, uh, when did you make that transition into uh, wanting to be a tour manager? So your first job was for country artist Luke Pell. Did he approach you? Did, were you out searching for like your first job, like moving into tour management? Yeah. So um, as I explained with the competition aspect of being an audio engineer, all of my peers were applying for jobs at these audio companies because that was the next step to, you know, getting a job in this industry. So for me, you know, I, I was never, I never focused so much on the audio that I considered myself an expert. I really tried to put my, to get my hands in a bunch of different smaller engagements, um, kind of like the promotion thing, like I talked to you about, but I ended up applying to work at a lighting company because in my, in my mind, since all of my peers were applying for the audio company, maybe I tried to circumvent that and apply for the lighting company because I knew the lighting company was going to have to work with the audio company at the same show. Right. And in my mind, if I could just get to that show, regardless of what I was doing, I would be happy. I would be doing what I love. So I invested my time. I started working at Bandit Lights and I did that for a couple summers before um, I started working for Luke Pell. And when Luke hired me, it was through Bandit. Well, it, it was, it was, it was um, arranged through Bandit, but Luke hired me directly as a lighting technician because my job was to go out on the road with him and set up the lights that he hired or that they brought in from Bandit. Oh, gotcha. And at the time, I didn't know much at all, but um, I wanted to go out and do my best and learn. So I applied for the job. I got the job. And when I went out on the road with them, I kept asking questions because it was my first touring experience ever. I didn't know how it was set up, but it was evident that um, I was asking the right questions because they told me they didn't have a tour manager, but they kind of needed one. And since they saw me so invested into the big picture and the idea of the tour that they offered me uh, that role as well, they asked me if I wanted to do it. And, wow. um, and I was like, wow, like I've never done it before, but um you know, I used my guys at Bandit as a resource. And I was like, is this something that I should probably do? And they were like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I uh, agreed to do it with Luke. And I, um, I remember the first day that I was starting to organize the tour. It was a lot because I had never done it before. I didn't really know what questions I needed to ask the venues that we were playing. I didn't really yeah. know what, what we wanted, what I needed to be setting up. But over time, I learned and just through experiences of having things that we don't need and needing things that we don't have, I was able to really tailor my career as a tour manager. And, um, and I, was, I was doing the best that I could with Luke while I was also in school. And by the time that Jimmy came around, Luke was slowing down a bit. My school was picking up and I was planning to continue my time at Belmont, but Jimmy's gig just became um, much more relevant and it became more consuming, so consuming that I wasn't able to do both. And that was, the, that was the point where I decided to at least take a break from going to school to pursue this gig with Jimmy because he had just released his first album. We were going on uh, this tour uh, record release week. We, we visited so many cool cities. He played the Today Show. That was a oh, big wow. thing for me. And I was like, you know, this is where I need to be. So I decided to yeah, step away from Belmont and transition into working for Jimmy full time. That's kind of how that all um, led into each itself. 
Now, when did you first meet Jimmy and how did you guys kind of get like acquainted? I met Jimmy at uh, CMA Fest. I was actually there for Luke. Um, Luke Pell, Luke was performing the same stage as Jimmy. Uh, we played before Jimmy and Jimmy was backstage. I remember him standing there with his sunglasses and his acoustic guitar and he needed a capo. And um, Jimmy's manager um, knew Luke and, uh, and myself through, um, through Luke. So we were all kind of in that same circle. We were talking, but Jimmy needed a capo. So I blindly gave him Luke's capo and I said, here you go. Um, here's the capo you needed. But I forgot that like we were leaving. So like I needed to get that capo back. So what I did was I ended up asking one of the, um, one of the engineers at the show, like somebody who was working for CMA Fest, I asked them for a capo. And I ended up giving that capo to Jimmy so that I could take Luke's back and get out of there. Um, that was my first interaction with Jimmy. So then uh, when uh, kind of down the line, did he kind of tell you that like, I want you to like take this over for me and like be my tour manager? How did like that uh, kind of one meeting uh, sprout into what you guys have now? Well, it's interesting because um, Jimmy will tell you a different story from his perspective. Um, but it ended up being so like, so Jimmy had a couple of tour managers before me and his manager, Ash, had been facilitating that for him. But Ash kept asking me if I knew anybody because um, me and Ash had known each other through the loop gig. And I think he trusted my judgment. But at the time, um, all of the people that I knew were in school. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any tour managers. I didn't, I didn't grow up with a mentor or anything like that. So I wasn't really confident in anything um, that I was going to be able to offer them. So I kept saying, no, like I didn't know anybody. I'm sorry. And it, and it got to the point where I kept turning, you know, I kept turning it down. Cause like, I could have just said, yeah, I could do it myself, but I didn't know who Jimmy was and I was planning to stay in school. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't jump at the opportunity right away. And I was also really loyal to Luke. Luke gave me my first opportunity to learn what it was like to be a tour manager. And I wanted to do right by him because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be in the position that I am today to take care of Jimmy. But totally. it ended up being the situation where they only, they needed somebody for two weeks and I, um, decided to help them out. And the plan was for me to go on the road with Jimmy for just two weeks and I was going to train somebody uh, by the end of that two weeks to then take care of Jimmy. But what happened was the shows that I went to were amazing, bigger than anything I had ever seen. And Jimmy was such a kind person and, the, and his band was so welcoming that it, it felt like this instant, um, you know, this, this charismatic group of people that I was drawn to. And yeah. um, when the person that I was supposed to train ended up not being able to come out, Jimmy offered me the gig and, and I felt really good in accepting it. Um, like it was, it was in my gut. I felt like, this is it. This is a great thing to do. Like, let's do it. So that's kind of how that happened. And I agreed to be the tour manager, production manager, everything. Uh, Cause it was at the, at that point, it was just Jimmy, the band and myself. Uh, we had a great couple weeks and we, that's kind of how it all got started. Dang it. Fast forward to today, like Jimmy's one of the fastest artists or growing artists in country music, uh, multiple hits. What does your typical day on the road look like now? Uh, now that you guys got a big bus, like, so you wake up on the bus, what's your day look like up until showtime? And when you guys are pulling out of the city? Uh, it's a great question. And it, it, it involves a lot. 
and every day is different. So now that I've been able to step back and focus solely on being a tour manager, you know, um, due to the fact that we now have a production manager and an entire crew of people that take care of the technical elements of Jimmy's show, I really just focus on making sure that everything runs smoothly. So first thing I do when I wake up is I get coffee, of course, and I go inside and we have a walkthrough. So typically the venue manager will um, introduce us, show us where we walk into the venue and will show us around. He'll say, this is the stage. This is the dressing room. This is where you set up merchandise. And, um, and it's, it, it, it's up to me to kind of lay out the venue in a way that uh, is conducive to what we need for the tour. So uh, we always try and set up a production office so that myself, our production manager, our content person, we now have a production assistant. You know, we all need to have a, a communal space where we can work on our computers so that we can print out day sheets, print out the schedule for the runner and um, set lists, anything else that we kind of need to be stationary for. Um, and we get that set up. We uh, send a text message to the group. Hey, everybody, you know, welcome to West Virginia. You know, you'll walk into the venue through these doors and I let them know everything that's going on in that day, essentially anything that's out of the ordinary. Some venues have dressing rooms with showers and restrooms. Others don't. So um, just knowing what the plan is for the day, understanding how that's all going to um, unfold throughout the day and making sure that the venue is aware of everything that we're expecting, everything that we've talked about on the phone in advance and making sure that Jimmy gets whatever he needs to have a comfortable and relaxing day. Um, that's kind of how it all starts. And then from there, it just, you take care of one thing after the next, eventually, you know, there's a sound check. Eventually there's sometimes a VIP meet and greet that I coordinate. Um, you open doors. Um, I settle the show, which essentially means that I'm responsible for obtaining payment for the contract that was signed you know there's always an, an, an agreement between the artist and the venue so i'm responsible for making sure that i settle that remaining balance and uh calculating any sort of overages or bonuses that may be occurred from playing the show and selling a certain number of tickets so um pretty much anything um non-technical that revolves around the tour is is you know kind of falls under my realm and uh every day i wake up and just kind of get to it and handle things one at a time what do you think uh the most rewarding part of being a tour manager is i love seeing the show happen and seeing the audience react to the show you know although i'm not involved in any of the technical components that are uh, the, the things that are actually facilitating the show, the idea that I had something to do with it in a macro level um, gives me that, that gratitude. And um, I just always think back to my first experience at a concert and what I, the way that I felt and, and what I thought of the whole environment and, you know, being able to help take Jimmy through this stage in his career um, and play my part in his team is, is rewarding, you know, seeing him win awards, seeing, you know, the entire team progress and grow. Um, those are the things that make me feel like, you know, I'm doing the right thing. We're all in a great place. Being able to hire colleagues um, and, and my old classmates from Belmont has been extremely rewarding and um, excuse me, but um, yes, it's, wow, it's all been really great. That's awesome. 
So as someone that works on the management side of the music industry, I kind of like to close out the, the interview by asking your advice, not only to um, people that want to be tour managers, but like I said, someone that was, is working on the management side, what do you uh, look for in like an artist that's uh, on the rise? Like what's your advice to them as well? Well, you know, specifically, I just, I think that networking is very important and being involved in the local community where you live um, within music is very important too, because someone told me once, it's not necessarily who you know, it's about who knows you. And somebody that sees, you know, potential in you, you know, is, is going to be the make or break to you getting an opportunity um, to show your skills. Because it is hugely due to luck, I do believe. Like, I think that you have to really be in the right place at the right time, and you have to be lucky to get that opportunity, but you also have to be prepared and you have to be ready. So that's kind of where the hard work versus luck thing goes in. You know, you have to know your stuff. You have to be on top of it, organized. You have to present yourself in a, uh, in, in a, in a way that's going to encourage them to want to hire you to represent, you know, whatever artist you're uh, eventually going to work for. But um, yeah, work hard, be, be nice, be engaging, ask questions. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because mistakes happen, but show your true understanding of how you made the mistake, what the mistake was and how you're going to modify your actions or, um, modify to make to, to not make that mistake in the future because um, all that stuff is very important and I also believe that regardless of what you're trying to do if there's a way for you to get close to that by doing something else um, like through proximity I think that's very important like uh, for for example myself working for the lighting company instead of the audio company if you yeah. really want to do audio I completely understand but if you want to be involved in the general, you know, in the general purpose of putting on a show, it might be a good idea to try and work for these other companies too, because they have less people applying to them, less people that actually want to be doing it applying to them because there, there's really no lighting program. There's no video program there. There's film, but it's just a little different. So, yeah, totally. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, I really think our listeners are going to learn a lot from your story and, uh, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the interest. I'm sorry about my phone going off. It happens all the time. And that's a true example of what it's like to be a tour manager. 24 hours a day, you never know what's going to come in, but you take it one step at a time and uh, you do the best you can. So I appreciate you guys taking the interest. And uh, it was great talking to you, Justin. Seriously. Well, there you have it. My conversation with David Schultz. David, thank you again so much for joining the podcast. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at AskDavidTM. And come back next week to hear my conversation with Warren Watkins, artist and songwriter at Big Loud and Songs and Daughters. Follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. You can also check out Starting Small Music on YouTube where you can see all the video content from our interviews. And remember, everyone starts small.